This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle's all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, and of course, relationships. And I hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Great sex matters and you deserve it. So, did you know there are five sex languages? And I'm wondering, like, which sex language do you speak? Well, once you learn your spouse's sex language, giving them pleasurable sex for a lifetime will be easier than ever. Today, we're going to be talking about increasing sexual pleasure through intimacy and the five sex languages. And we're very excited to introduce our guest... Dr. Doug Weiss, who is a psychologist and the executive director of Heart to Heart Counseling Center in Colorado Springs. In addition, Dr. Doug is a sex and intimacy expert and an author of many books, including Five Languages of Sex, Married and Alone, and The Intimacy Guide, all of which we'll be getting into today. So, Dr. Doug, thank you for being here and welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Carol and David. I always like to talk about having great sex. Absolutely. So, you know, we feel honored to have you on our show. You're a celebrity having been on, you know, Oprah and Dr. Phil and Good Morning America and CNN. And many more. But, you know, uh, I think in a a quick wrap up here, because we could probably hear, you could probably tell us your story about where you started for an hour or so. But just in a quick synopsis, tell us a little bit who you are and how you got to being such a celebrity. Well, you know, I think that, you know, it starts by, you know, caring for people and caring for people who were broken. And when I started my practice, I had to do a lot with sexual addiction. And so a lot of people were getting better from sexual addiction. And then we discovered intimacy anorexia and people start coming from all over the country and all over the world. And, uh, you know, we wrote books and been on these shows and stuff like that. And I think that people just kind of resonate when they get a sense that you can really help them. And I think, you know, like you, you know, you're, you're here getting people's email. People are talking to you because they sense that you can really care and you really want to help them. And I think that's, that's how it evolved. And it just kind of, you know, one stage after another just kind of kept evolving. Wow, that's absolutely terrific. Now, you know, here on The Sexy Lifestyle, we like talking about how to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and horny, as we already said. And intimacy is a very, very big part of this. So let's start with telling us about what what happens when a relationship, what happens in a relationship when the intimacy actually fails. Well, I mean, you talk about sexuality, and, and sexuality for me is triune. It's spiritual, it's, 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 a, it's the soul, emotions, the mind, the will, the body, and, all, and being healthy in the body, and all of that together. So when you take the emotional intimacy out of it, or the spiritual emotion out of it, or you take the respect out of it, then it affects the whole uh, system of sex, and it affects uh, your desire. I mean, who wants to be, you know, jumping or being chased uh, by someone you don't even like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's not good. It's like, you know, I'm glad you want sex, but I don't like you. (laughs) We haven't talked. We haven't connected. We haven't, you know, shared our hearts. And I tell men all, all the time, you know, feelings is the fastest way to sex. Like, guys don't get that. you got to connect to a woman's heart. If you connect to her heart, she wants your body. Men think there's some kind of exterior button they're going to find on them somewhere, and they spend their whole life looking for the button. <laughs> and it's not on the outside. It's on the inside. You know? So, it's, so when, that, when you are not connecting, you don't get as much or as higher quality sex. No, that's absolutely true. And the intimacy which we have when we have a great relationship is just automatically there, and we don't even realize it, but when the relationship is failing, that's the first thing to go. Well, yeah, it's, it's a warning sign. I mean, if you, if you lack want and desire for the person you're married to or you're in in a sexual relationship with, that should be a warning sign to you because the want for that person is a sign of you you being healthily in love and connecting and respecting and valuing and, and, you know, being each other's friend. 
Absolutely. And you have this a, a book called Intimacy, A 100-Day Guide to Lasting Relationships. And when you put that guide together and you help couples get back in love through intimacy, and there's certain steps, can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Sure. I mean, I've had couples who haven't had sex in 5, 10, 15, and 20 years. Wow. And within days and weeks of following some of the protocols in there, they like each other and they have sex. Because well, we, we, we believe that it's never too late to start again. And I know you use that um, a lot in your courses and your training that never give, just don't give up. Sure. Like I have a couple that come in on Monday morning because people fly in from all over the country and world and they come in and they do five day intensives with me or my staff. And so Monday morning can sometimes sound like, well, why are you here today? Well, we haven't had sex in 10 years, Dr. Weiss. Now for yeah. some therapists that would scare them, right? For me, that's like, oh, you guys are in such, in, in, you're going to have such a party. By the end of the week, you're going to like each other. <laughs> if you don't have week, sex by Wednesday, probably by Friday, and if not, within a couple weeks. And now, like, is it usually the like cow at a new gate? Like, seriously? I go, yeah, having sex is easy. It's the intimacy that's hard. That's what we've got to help you with. Now, is it usually the woman who suggests these types of courses, or do you see the men and women well, equally? Well, without sex for five years, we'll fly anywhere in the world. If it- <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah, so, so it's both genders. Will, they'll, 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 put the, they'll put the bill to get that done. And well, I, I guess I, you know, again, it happens every week in my office. We deal with this issue. And so uh, the guide was set up for just pretty much good, healthy marriage stuff. You know, dating, money, uh, sexuality, uh, spirituality, and even moving a couple through pragmatically how to share feelings, uh, how to praise and nurture each other. You know, just real practical skills that you don't learn anywhere. I mean, I got four yeah, degrees in my so wall, true. and no one taught me how to have a feeling. Absolutely. And express and there, that feeling. And there's no app for it either. Nobody's built an app on Android or iTunes that you can I have. use it's it to Doug's get. It's called Dr. Doug's Tips. It's called Dr. Doug's Tips. We send you a tip for marriage or if you're a sexual recovery person or a spouse every day. Wow, um, that great. is yeah, great yeah, yeah. then. So there you is an app for it. days a year. And you also talk a lot about intimacy anorexia, which is another one of your books and how that affects oh, yeah. you know, intimacy and the relationship. Well, how many times has someone called your show or you know personally, it's like, you know, we're not really having sex or yeah, i got to beg to have sex. We're not connecting that way, right? right. Intimacy and anorexia is one of, the, one of those things that it's a paradigm. And I've been working with couples for 30 years. When you understand intimacy and anorexia, and I encourage anyone, go Google it. You know, we'll come up and you can take the test. But there's, there's a characteristics. You're, you're, the spouse will stay too busy to be with you. They'll blame you for all the problems in the relationship. They withhold love, especially the way you like to be loved. They withhold praise. They withhold spiritually. They withhold sex, or they're disconnected during sex, like so you feel alone during sex. They're unwilling and able to share their feelings. They use anger and silence as a way to control. They have ongoing or ungrounded criticism of you. Sometimes they'll control, around, uh, control or shame around money issues. But generally, if you're married to this person, you feel married and alone. Mm-hmm. You feel like roommates. How many of you, you've heard that before, I'm sure, guys. Yes, absolutely. Well, we, yeah. did, we did a show with Megan Fleming, and she's written a book called The Invisible Divorce, and it sounds very similar to what you're talking about now, where you're just in a relationship and just coexisting and not really being in love. They're not loving intimate. each yeah. other. Yeah, but this one goes a little further. They, they, they intentionally keep the distance in the relationship. So oh, it's on purpose. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll uh-huh. actually do the things, like if you say, you know, can you do this and we could get closer, they'll intentionally not do it. Oh, boy. So and why, why do they do that? Like, what's the cause of that? Well, sexual abuse can be, sexual addiction can be, uh, your parents not attaching to you can be, the cross-gender attachment. Like, if you're a girl, you never got attachment with your dad or vice versa. Some of them, like I have one guy today, you know, he flew in from another state, and he's, his mom never attached to him, like, didn't want him. So she, she didn't touch him when he was a child? She uh, this guy like, got love him. Mom. Nothing. Wow. You know, and then I got and another guy who, you know, He's an anorexic because he basically, you know, masturbated and did pornography so much he attached to the fantasy world, so he had no real strong desire for the real world. Wow. And the real world, because the wife would require intimacy and sexuality, well, when you're doing pornography masturbation, you have object sex, which is sexuality without relationship. And so sex with relationship is a different set of skills than sex without relationship. And and I guess it's super important to have physical touch like massage and holding hands and laying naked together absolutely you know you should enjoy your spouse's body but you should enjoy their inners as well you know mm-hmm. i mean you should like to be you'd like to look at into their eyes as much as hold them 
And when the, when this guy is like has this intimacy anorexia, he purposely withholds that. But does he realize he's doing it or she? Yeah, now. <laughs> I mean, I have like a 30-hour training on intimacy anorexia. We have the books, workbooks. He does now. And he gets okay. it because one of the things that's hard for them to understand is that they actually do this intentionally. And I go, well, how do you hit a bullseye like 100% of the time with no effort? It's because you're trying, right? Right. Yeah. But is it is it part of his character? Like he does it intentionally, but is it subconsciously motivated, or is he, you know, does Just he plan it? The answer is yes. So that's not good. And so through your program, you not only uh, bring it out into the open of what his issues are, but you help him overcome it and change his habits. I'm assuming. Yeah, we find the roots, deal with the trauma of the past, all that kind of stuff. And then give him the, the uh, tools so that he can connect with his wife. Like today, you know, I had a couple, they were doing uh, some of the exercises, intimacy exercises back and forth with each other. And he just broke down and he just started to weep. And when I asked the wife, you know, after we were done with the exercise, what did she experience? She says, like, the wall came down, you know, and there are things that people can do to attach when they've never been attached. And do you find, do you find some people uh, come in and they feel that, They've been doing it for so long that it's just the right thing to do or just the thing to do because they've been doing it for so long and that's just how it's been? You mean they've been withholding for so long? Yeah, yeah. that's just how they... Oh, yeah, like, you know, I deal with a lot of Canadians, right? <laughs> and they're like, well, everybody we know lives this way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not. We're Canadians. Know, you, can start a, you can start a clinic up there, you know, make money, help people. You know, but there is a lot of intimacy in Mexico in, in some cultures. And so they do kind of normalize it. Some of the European cultures are very similar, where there's not a lot of emotions expressed. And so they don't feel like, you know, well, why does my wife want me to share my feelings? Or why is my husband? Because it's not just men that are anorexic. Women can be very anorexic and very cold in a, in a relationship. And the guys feel very alone and very used, you know, and very disconnected. And they're having sex once or twice a year. And they are angry. Yeah. Yikes. No I know kidding. a bunch of guys like that. Yeah. I play baseball with them. Now, um, you, I was reading one of your things that says that you, you teach a marathon mentality, which is how you get them to fall in love again. And um, how does that work? Well, you know, a lot of people want, they want to be better for a week. Just get, get her to like me, Dr. Weiss. I go, well, they, we could do that, but it's better if she, like, loves you for the rest of your life. Right, the, of course. Intimacy is a result of a set of disciplines. I just want to say that again slower for your audience. Intimacy is a result. It's a known result of a set of disciplines. So just like getting in shape, you know, some people have the discipline of being healthy, they eat right, they exercise, and their body looks like they have that discipline. Some people have the discipline of eating wrong and not exercising, and their body looks like they have the discipline of eating wrong and not exercising. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to the relationship, you teach them some of these disciplines that they can use to, to be fit right, in their marriage. Disciplines actually support love. Go back to when you and, and, you and David were dating, right, Carol? Yes. You guys had a lot of disciplines you weren't aware of. Quality time, sharing your feelings, respecting each other, hearing each other's heart, dreaming together. Those disciplines were so much a part of your dating that they made you want to be together. Right. You remove those disciplines after marriage and you don't like each other. You put those disciplines back into the relationship. You begin liking each other and wanting to be together again. And it's why do you think people take... That cause those feelings. And why would people take that out of their daily routine? Um, well, you just, get is it laziness? You know, you go from being single and broke to managing an apartment, to managing a mortgage, to managing insurance, to managing kids. To ma- and what happens is you move from relationship to management. And once, you, once management becomes that, and also I do think, I've got another book I'm going to be putting out soon, but I th- do think the whole thing about husband and wife, that that title itself creates a paradigm of role instead of relationship. If I introduce you and say, this is my lover wife, okay, that's a different kind of mentality than when a woman thinks she's a wife, well, did I take care of this? Did she function right? Is her assessment as to whether she's being good or not? If I ask the same woman, how are you as a lover? She could totally stink as a lover. Got it. But be a good wife. But in reality, if you're not a good lover, you're not a good wife. Absolutely, you're you're right. You're not a good husband. (laughs) If you work hard, pay the bills, come home and, and sit on the internet, you're not a good lover. So focus on being a good lover and 
Do you see what and I'm the saying? rest will follow. So I guess communication, which is so important in a relationship, and um, that's got to be key to the to solving their issues as well. So how do you get couples talking about those their intimacy issues? Well, one of the things I do is I let them get really angry, but not at each other. I let them do some anger work because they're both angry. They're both hurt. They both feel unheard, disrespected, unimportant, unwanted, all those hard feelings. So I let them discharge the rage. I let them do some forgiveness exercise without the spouse being present so they can move through some of those hard feelings and then move them into engagement. Does that make and, sense? Because if you're really mad at somebody and someone says, now I want you to share your feelings, like, I don't want to share my feelings with yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. If I say, you know what, take about a half hour, write an anger letter, how much you really hate everything about this person. Let's get <laughs> that out of your system. Now we can start moving towards each other. And especially if those are the hardest things to tell your spouse, I mean, you can scream and yell and you know that they're not really getting it because they just turned it all off. But if you are sitting down and telling them intellectually that I don't like you because of this, 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 and this, they oh, almost they feel heard. They don't even heard. do it to each other. No, yeah. they don't even talk about it. So I have and Bob and Sue. So I got Bob individually. He writes an anger letter, does the anger work, and he really, I mean, literally hits, hits my little thing and he goes crazy, right? He's sweating. And then she comes in, she does the same thing. They never even talk about it to get together. Yeah, that communication. They discharge that energy and trauma from their body, and they're able to start moving forward. Mm-hmm. So if they sat and talked about it, they'd start blaming each other and criticizing each other, and it would take me years to get rid of that. Fantastic. All right, Doug, we're going to ask you to hang on for one second. Uh, this has been a great discussion. We're going to remind everybody that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're talking with Dr. Doug Weiss, sex and intimacy coach and expert. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into his book, Married and Alone. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're talking with Dr. Doug Weiss, sex and intimacy coach. So now we're going to get to talking with Dr. Doug Weiss about his book, Married and Alone. So we like to talk about sex and spicing it up so, so that people don't fall into that stale and boring sexless marriage. However, for some couples, they don't even realize their marriage is in trouble. Sometimes the problems sneak up so quickly and then poof, they find themselves alone in their marriage. And that's certainly not what they signed up for. So let's start by talking about the symptoms of the kind of marriage you describe in your book, Married and Alone. Well, as we talked about earlier, the symptoms of intimacy and anorexia is busy, blaming, critical, uh, not uh, engaging spiritually, emotionally, or sexually in the relationship. And so what happens is the, the couple starts really moving apart, and they create the, there's this distance between them. And so the other spouse, begging to be loved, begging for sex, begging to be connected, trying to put on the sexy lingerie, trying to do everything they can to try to make this person want them are trying to work harder, clean, do laundry for her, you know, clean up dishes, but still there's, there's nothing that motivates this other person to want them. And, and that's though, what Married and Alone was about. It's about you know, when you're the spouse of that, that really impacts you. And for women, I mean, uh, Carol, depression, weight gain, lower self-esteem are very common symptoms if you're married to a guy like this. And absolutely affects your life in general and your work at at the workplace and and your whole self-esteem. Absolutely. It affects your health. We've had diseases because their immune system has been so shot because they've been so unloved for decades. 
Wow. And is something like this, does it happen over time or does it sometimes possible? Is, does it come from an incident, um, a, a something tragic that happens? No, it usually happens shortly after marriage. So we date normally, can't keep our hands off each other, then we get married and it's like all of a sudden the, the, the door of their heart closes, they're busy. Like I was talking to a couple just recently, you know, this is the second marriage and he was hot and heavy after her. They were, you know, having all the sex and then they got married and he went to work and he, you know, he'd worked with long hours, he was disconnected from her, no longer shared with her and it was almost the day of, I can't tell you how many people told me, even on the wedding night, the other wow. person didn't want to have sex. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, we talk a lot about the need for couples to have uh, that proper balance and have the priorities of work, family, relationships, mm-hmm. and sex all at the same level. When couples come in and, and they, they obviously don't have that balance, how do you help them manage their time, their priorities, so that sex and relationship does become a priority in their day, week, month, and total life? Well, there's several tools, but one, one tool that can be really helpful kind of as a global, you know, how do you change uh, your lifestyle? I wrote a book called Get a Grip, and, and in there I talk about, you know, set a, set a boundary for yourself in whatever area, whether it's food, over-entertainment. I have a lot of couples who they spend 25, 30 hours watching television. Well, that's insane. I mean, most of us live in Western culture. Our life is not that bad that you'd be entertained for 30 hours a week. No, absolutely. We live in an abundance of food, an abundance of everything. And so I say, okay, so that would be a good example. Now, this, you could apply this to overworking. You could apply this to sex. You could apply this to food. You could, so set a boundary for yourself. Okay, we'll watch 10 hours a week. Okay. And if you cross that 10 hours, then what's your consequence? Like, for example, what would be for example, a consequence? Say, okay, if I, watch, if I go past 10 hours, I will, then next week I'll watch nothing. Or I will give my wife an hour massage. Or I will pull weeds for an hour. Or I will eat an onion. But do you, do you think these couples are not watching TV together? They're like in separate rooms watching their own different shows? Well, if you're watching TV, it doesn't matter if you're sitting next to each other because after about three minutes, you're subconscious. You're, 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 your brain's off. You're disconnected. Uh, okay, disconnected again. You're, you're in a subconscious state because if you watch children that are, say, under three years old, watch their lower jaw drop after about two minutes. Huh. Your brain literally shuts off after a couple minutes of watching TV. You're in an altered state. And are you finding with uh, the people that you're talking to that beyond TV, that the other electronic distractions oh, yeah. that's brought into the bedroom are um, affecting relationships? Well, one of the most common complaints that I get is the cell phone. And like he or she could be on Facebook or are checking stocks or, you know, doing business or just goofing around and being, maybe they're, you know, addicted to the news or whatever. And so, like, for some, we have to set boundaries of, okay, when you come home, the phone goes in your bathroom, in a drawer, and you can't touch it till 8.30. If you yeah, do, then what's your consequence going to be? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And what advice do you give couples who um, say, well, I want to have my phone in bed with me? Yeah, that's pretty sick. I mean, there are people who have their phone next to them and it's kind of like, okay, Really? I mean, that's like blanky all over again. So yeah. it's okay. I, mean, I understand that there are some moms who like would totally disagree with me, you know, but listen, your kids have your home number, okay? They don't need your cell number next to your bed. You know, right, exactly. if they need money or they're in a crisis, they know what their home number is. They memorized it when they were six, okay? <laughs> so, but there are people who sleep, you know, as long as it's off, probably not a problem, but if it's on and you're getting these little beeps and buzzes and vibrations, that's just rude to the other person who's trying to get a good night's sleep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or wants to get a little intimate with you and you're Bit absorbed busy. in yeah. that uh, cell phone. Yeah, that would be a real cue that the person has some kind of problem. Now, I've, I heard a stat somewhere, and I can't remember where, I won't quote it exactly, but it's something like 75% of people check their phone r- right after they have sex. Like, they're done with sex, check my phone in case I miss something. Like they did put it down for the sex part, thank goodness. But the minute wow, they're done, they really got to check crazy. their phone. Yeah, that's I check crazy. Our, I check our phone after sex because we videotaped it. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, okay, that's, that's really crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when I'm, I'm just not that important, you know. I just leave my phone in, the, in my bathroom and I don't need to see it until the next day. Yeah, we, got, we have to have a break from all this tech. Our brains are fried already from it from the whole day long. Well, plus I would rather look at a naked woman than look at, you know, a phone. <laughs> yes. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather look at yes, her than yes, look yes, at a yes. phone. I mean, come on. 
if you'd rather look at a phone than your naked wife, there's something seriously wrong with you. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Get professional help. <laughs> now, what I heard from you when you're talking about this married and alone, it's something that happens almost right after the honeymoon phase when all those uh, sex hormones that are going crazy in your body kind of fade and you're, you know all the other like snuggle and cuddle hormones are in there going off like the oxytocin and stuff and that's when the disconnect starts to happen. So, do you have some advice for newlyweds to stop to prevent this married and alone syndrome from happening to their marriage? Well, you know, and again, this goes back to the marathon thing. In, in the intimacy book you mentioned earlier, Hyundai Guide, actually, couples set up sexual agreements. Now, usually you don't have to do this in the first month or two of your marriage, but if you're already struggling with sex issues in the first few months of your marriage, you probably do need to set up a sexual agreement. How often do you want to have sex? Who's going to initiate it back and forth, rotate it back and forth? Split the week, rotate it, pick up days, however you want to organize, it's fine. And then set up consequences if someone doesn't want to play right. Because you do need the structure of sex, just like you need the structure of dating, just like you need the structure of spirituality, you need the structure of having friends. There are a handful of structures in a marriage that have to be in place for the structure, for marriage to be healthy. Absolutely. And, you know, Carol and I are swingers. We've been swingers for 10 years. And even we have a very sexually charged relationship and life. But we take the time to make sure that we have our couple sex. And, you know, we have this little thing where even days it's Carol's turn and odd days it's my turn. And we have to think about each other and what we're going to do sexually for each other. And it might be a massage and it might be a long, passionate kiss or it might be, you know, candles and great sex. But it, it goes back and forth amongst the, amongst us because we could not be maintain our swinging lifestyle if we didn't have a great sexual relationship, just the two of us. Now, when you're talking about sexual intimacy, how much does compatibility play a role in that? For most people that are having sex, most of them are married, some aren't, but you, you probably want to have sex with people that you like. If you're having sex yes. with people you don't like, that's probably going to not last. Okay. So I think because you're giving yourself, you, you're giving yourself to someone else. And so I think compatibility has a lot to do with it. And not necessarily you're not going to have the same personality. You're not going to be necessarily homogeneous as far as you're not going to be the same, but you want to at least like each other and enjoy each other because if you don't like and enjoy each other, you're probably not going to like and enjoy the sex with that person, not long term. No, for, for sure, for sure. But in compatibility, what if one person wants to have sex once a week and the other one wants to have sex every day? That's not compatible at all. Well, that's an appetite difference, and that's where you would have set an agreement and where both people would probably mature a little bit. Because, you know, if you, if you go into a relationship and it's all about you, pick a topic, politics, finances, sex, parenting, pick any topic. If it's all about you and you're going to be some kind of monarch in that area of your relationship, you're not going to have a relationship that's going to be really supportive and long-lasting. So if you, sex is just one of several topics. And so if you go into sex and, and somebody's at seven and somebody's at one, okay, you're both kind of being a little off the charts there so you would say okay what's reasonable for both of you because sex is about us not about you it's about us so our particular soup is going to be different than maybe the last person you were with or your fantasy person that you think exists and so but in our soup what would actually make sense and that can change pre-kids small kids bigger kids kids in college kids not coming home anymore the, the, the season of a, of, of a long-term relationship. So you, you would adjust this as you go through. But for that couple, I would say, okay, well, what's reasonable? You know, can you move up to and him move down to? Okay, we're three, three, three to four times a week. Okay, great. That's reasonable for you That's guys. about finding that happy medium? Well, fine. Being able to negotiate. Yes, and, and talk about it. topic where you cannot negotiate, you're not in a relationship. Now, one of the things that we talk about a lot is a swinging lifestyle, and we do consult with many couples who want to try it, and we talk to a lot of newbies, and sometimes the, the, the thread is there because one of the couple wants to do something, I'm going to say a little bit kinky, a little bit that what they're not used to doing, whereas the other couple's afraid to do it. So do you have couples that are not just not having sex, but one wants a, a you know very different type of sex or an alternative sex lifestyle, and the other doesn't? Yeah, do you ever get those couples? At, yes, exactly. Well... Not necessarily going down the whole road of a turn of sex lifestyle, because that's a whole other conversation. Correct. But the, the principle of couples wanting different things in the bedroom, that's legitimate. Okay, so in, in the 100-day intimacy guide that we talked about, 
they actually create what we call the garden. And the garden is what they both can agree with. Again, this is an us, not a me. So when we go to the us place, not a me place, in the us place, what can us enjoy? And so they make a list of the different you know, positions and things and uh, that their ideas that they have for sexuality. And then they both get to vote. He votes, she votes. If they both vote, vote, vote yes, then it's in. If one votes no and the other one votes yes, it's out. If one votes yes and the other one says W, which is when I want to, I'll bring it to the garden, <laughs> then great. It's in when that person brings it in. They kind of declare what kind of frequency they're going to bring that in. And then the us sexuality can live well. It's when we move from us to me sexuality where entitlement and bullying can happen and either one of the, that side of the continuum can lead a couple down a road where it really is about me, 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 me. And then you have a two-year-old, whether the two-year-old is, I want to do everything I want to do, or the two-year-old is, I don't want to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, do you ever get couples that come all the way to see you, like you say, from out of state and sit down and they start, and they actually can, cannot work it out? Well, usually if they're coming to see me, there's at least some desire to want to work it out. Um, but there are some people who even after getting help just decide, you know what, I don't want to be married. Or it's just too much work? It's well, too much yeah. hard work? It is hard work to be married because as humans, when it's just you, 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 that's an easy path of life. When you go from a single cell to a double cell, okay? Yeah, when you yeah go I got it. Us relationship, you have to metamorphose. And some of you has to be flexible enough to embrace that cell and that person has to be flexible enough to embrace some of your cell to become a unit. Does right. that make sense? Yes, 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 absolutely. And some people can't make that transition because of their own self-absorption. And that self-absorption may be, again, I want to do everything with everybody all the time whenever I want to, and that self-absorption may, I don't want to do anything with anybody anytime at all. Interesting. So I have, a, I have a question for you. It might be just a touch off subject here, but I know you're an expert in it. We, we talk a lot about how porn is entertainment, but do you find sometimes that uh, people come in and they've spent so much time watching porn that they think that their life should reflect porn and don't get the fact that it's just entertainment and a real couple doesn't really do what they're seeing on all the pornographic uh, right. videos well, that again, they're watching. Porn enters most people's lives at an early age before they have abstract reasoning, so they don't, dis- they don't disseminate that that's, that that's an actress who's on cocaine trying to raise her two-year-old. Okay, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't put that together. They don't put together that woman is a slave trade person from Brazil or someplace like that. They can't put that together because they're eight years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they don't have abstract reasoning, and they're looking at something that requires abstract reasoning to understand. And then they reinforce that with the highest chemical load of, of endorphins and encephalins and endogenous opiates and attach their sexuality to an object fantasy that's being presented to them as a reality. And they neurologically reinforce that for hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of times. And they actually, that becomes their object relationship sexuality. They're trying to <laughs> transfer that, I call it, you know, outer space rules into the real world with the real woman with real kids who has uh, limitations in energy and, and also isn't being supported by the selfish guy who's sitting around watching TV and, and he's in the back room looking at pornography instead of helping her with the kids. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. So, because that leads to a very self-absorbed, self-sex, me sexuality instead of an us sexuality. And so very rarely does porn describe sexuality as I want to get to know you, connect to you, know your soul, know your spirit. I want to be there with you when you're sick. It doesn't do that. Right. And right. so it projects something, though only the basis level of sexuality, the physiological level of sexuality in various positions maybe that look create, creative. But creative. in no way... <laughs> does it um, exemplify what sexuality really is, is full dimension connectivity over a long period of time that makes sexuality fulfilling. Uh, you know, for me, I don't, you know, I don't know that it's really, it, it can be very damaging. I mean, for 30 years I've been cleaning up the mess of pornography. <laughs> I'm probably the wrong person to be a fan because I see the destruction. I see the divorces. I see the, the kids who don't get their mom and dad. I, I get to see the... The, the adult kids who their parents never grew up because they never got out of the addiction to pornography and any addiction leaves you in a spiritual and emotional moral 12 year old state so being raised by a 12 year old isn't fun because they're looking at pictures over there 
Right, right, right. Now, I'm just wondering um, that you're talking about this as after they're married already. It's not something that's apparent that they have this kind of syndrome or whatever prior to getting married? It's not obvious or they can be hidden? What, what's not obvious? Well, you're saying that these marriages break down because of all these different intimacy issues, which could be because of porn or they're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing or being good husbands. But do you think some of those faults or their bad habits are not obvious prior to getting married, that the wife doesn't see that before she actually says, well, I do? Well, first of all, the, the man or woman is not usually honest if they're looking at porn. Okay. Sometimes they are, but most of the times they're not. Oh, they're doing it on the sly. They're doing it on the side and in secret. So the spouse doesn't even know what's happening for two to five, ten years into the marriage. Okay, I get it. So they don't even know they're competing it. with Boo Boo Mommy yeah. until yeah, yeah, five or ten years down the road. <laughs> and they don't understand that Boo Boo Mommy's been this, this guy's blanket, emotional blanket, for 15 to 20 years. And he can't have a real feeling without going and masturbating to get rid of it because he doesn't know what to do with the real feeling. So she's married to a 14-year-old and he's 50. Right. And then she finds out he's been masturbating and doing porn for 30 years. And now she puts two and two together and says, that's why I don't have a great sex life. Well, no, she's right. Because that same guy, after being sober for six months, actually shows up emotionally, spiritually, uh, more intelligently. And most guys in one year, if they control their own income, double their income in 12 months. So you can actually measure the impact porn has had on his life. Wow. 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 That okay. is very, very so interesting. It's not like she's like, oh, I think it's pornography, and that's why you're such an immature jerk. It's like, no, that was why you were an immature jerk, because now you're like this solid man who I can trust, who loves me and is connected during sex, whose income has gone up, who actually is a, a father to the kids. Instead of going, coming home and grunting and trying to avoid responsibility, you're actually looking to take responsibility. Oh, my gosh, porn was the problem, because it's the only variable we removed this year that made a significant difference in this person's development. Wow, that's incredible. All right, Dr. Doug, we're going to ask you to hold on for a second. Uh, we're going to continue this amazing discussion. Uh, we'll remind everybody, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Cal and David, and today we're talking with Dr. Doug Weiss, sex and intimacy specialist and expert. Up next is our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex in our Great Sex Matters segment. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This portion of The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David is sponsored by Naughty and Nolens, July 25 to 30, 2018. Naughty Nolens is the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. With over a thousand couples, this event is a not only a full takeover of one of French Quarter's biggest hotels, it takes over Bourbon Street, too. Join us for a five-day, four-night hotel takeover at this alternative lifestyle convention. It's a gathering of open-minded couples who are all interested in exploring their sexuality while visiting one of the sexiest cities in North America, which is New Orleans, and visit us. We're going to be the queen and king leading the parade down Bourbon Street. So check out our website for all the details, the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. And if you want to get a chance to win a free uh, entrance pass to Naughty Narlene's, a value of $675, just send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com and we'll be announcing the winner on an upcoming show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're talking with Dr. Doug Weiss, sex and intimacy expert. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters and we all deserve it. So, Dr. Doug, we've already covered three of your books, and we saved the best for last. Now we're going to be talking about the five sex languages, which is all about understanding your partner sexually. So let's start by talking about, by explaining what you mean by the words sex language. Well, all of us are designed differently sexually. We all have a different way in which sex has a greater impact on us. And when you understand the language of that, okay, you can actually take your spouse to a greater level of pleasure than they've ever been before. And it doesn't take a new position. It doesn't take pornography. It takes learning who they are and how to speak into their sexuality in every phase of sexuality, the before, the uh, during, and the after stages of sexuality. If you know how they're kind of languaged, you can capitalize on that 
and that can take them to a great level of pleasure. And so you taught, you wrote a book called Five Sex Languages. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a hint of what those five sex languages are? Well, I can hint or I can just tell you them. Okay. You can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and again, now each one of these, when I write the book, there's a mature version and an immature version. So just so you know that. But uh, there's fun. That's a good. That's a great sex language. There's desire. There is pleasure, and we can go more into these as you, as you want to talk about them. There's patience, and then there is also the acceptance celebration person. And each person has a different kind of way that they like to be approached sexually and how they like to enjoy sexuality. So, yes, you can definitely dive in a little bit and explain the mature and the immature of the fun sexuality. At least we can go through some of them. Can you walk us through this? Well, which one would you like to talk about? Desire. Desire, okay. David likes desire. Okay, this person, uh, in the the mature version of it, uh, what's important to them is being wanted as a person, not just sexually. Uh, Being pursued. This is the person who would probably like you to send them the sexy text or leave the little note on the bedroom saying, looking forward to having fun with you. You know, the pursuing is really says, you want me, okay? Uh, the, the, the planning or special sex night would be that, this person would just be, that'd be thrilled for them. Pleasuring is being wanted. Right. Uh, sexuality is bigger than sex. It's anticipation of being wanted. So if, say, Carol was a desire person, you wanting her is really the turn on of the sexual, of the whole thing. And what if we're both, what if we're both desire? What if we both want to well, be then you'll, pursued? You'll be one of the first couples I've ever met who have the same one. <laughs> we don't. We are, we are definitely two different people. Well, that's one of the and reasons so why we both take... Is, and that, that's the, the joy of a relationship. I have yet to meet in 30 years any couple that has the same sex language. So now, you actually if, have you to have more than a one? language that is not yours. Okay. But can we lover. have more than one language that we speak in? Well, you can have a primary and secondary but the point okay. is, is like person A has to marry a sex language that's not theirs to be a better lover. And person B has to master a different language than they have to be a great lover. And do we know this subconsciously and if be, it works we out? We tend to do sex the way we want sex, not necessarily the way the other person wants it. Oh, I see. Okay. You see what I'm saying? And so that- if your desire, you're setting these little sexy texts and doing this. Well, if your person, the other person is patient, what you're doing has no meaning to them. Uh-huh. You're speaking Italian and Greek. Like, uh-huh. it doesn't make a difference. Well, that certainly makes sense. And how do we find out which language we speak? You've which sex language? the book, fivesexlanguages.com. <laughs> okay. okay. And there's an IQ test or something in there but, to figure it out? But, you, but, you, but uh, you, can, you generally kind of, even just by listening to the words, you can generally kind of get a sense for who you are. But you want to get a sense for who the other person is. Like, I had this couple, they flew from another country. They were married only for a few months. And very passionate, very bright, very successful people. And they were having some challenges in their sexuality. That's the 100% reason they came. They didn't have any sex addiction. There was no intimacy anorexia. They were a young couple, and they just wanted to have a great sex life. But they weren't, and they were frustrated. And when I went through the five sex languages to them, I said, now, okay, now just you know, kind of write down who you think you are, and then write down who you think your spouse is. They would guess themselves, and then they guessed the other person, and they both guessed the other person wrong. Okay. And what happened is, and it was like an epiphany moment for them. It's like, oh my gosh, this is why we're missing each other. Because I'm doing this, thinking you enjoy it, and it really doesn't do anything for you. So I'm not getting the response from you as if I would actually say this to you. Because when I had them practice, like, you know, now based on what you know, okay, I want you to ask each other for sex based on your language. And there's a whole chapter that goes through the things you can say in each phase of sexuality for each sex language. Imagine that, having a roadmap from wow. invitation all the way to afterglow. Totally Very scripted cool. out for you on how the other person is designed. That's what the Very five cool. sex language gives you. Right? It's not about you know, the positions and candles and scents and all that's wonderful, but if you don't know how that person is scripted, you will not capitalize on them. And there'll be some part of the sexual experience for them that won't be as fantastic as it could have been, and it could be twice as fantastic with half as much effort. Well, this like sounds like so obvious, like once you say it out loud, that it's like, we should know this, like everybody should, should know this, this like everybody should buy your book. You'll sell out of them, okay? <laughs> because people who are into sex aren't necessarily into understanding the, the soul part of sexuality, the script of sexuality, 
They're usually into the oils and the positions and the, well, I'll try this girl or that girl or that guy or this thing or let's add five people and see what that feels like. Like they're into the experience, but they're not into necessarily really the script. And when you understand the script, you can unlock someone sexually to take them to places where they've never been in their soul or their body at the same time. So now I can understand briefly with the desire now you've explained it, but um, when it comes to pleasure and patience... Oh, those, is, yeah, those guys, that's a real fun marriage right there. Because, and so one is patient for the other who just wants to give pleasure? Well, the, the pleasure person, you know, this is going to be someone who is going to be really, I call him the sex professor, and these, you guys probably fall a little bit into this category. You know, learning about pleasure is really high value of, of, of themselves and the other person. They, they'll read the sex books. If you write a sex book, they'll read it. The, the knowing and growing and, and is uh, about specific pleasure. They want to experiment sexually. Uh, they enjoy being discovered as well as discovering the pleasure of a person sexually. They actually have a continuum of understanding sexuality. Sexuality grows over a lifetime, which is kind of intuitive for them, which is not intuitive to almost all the other languages. That pleasure can be expanded. Uh, they're very aware of pleasure during sexuality, both the facial pleasure, the nervous pleasure, the muscular pleasure, and uh, they're, they're more aware of the pleasure zones in their, in their body than the others tend to be. And also, they're, they're also more, they love exploring saying different things and doing different things to see if that elicits a greater pleasure response to the other person. So they'll be more the person who will study a technique sexually and see if it lasts longer or takes longer or they can have an extra two orgasms, okay? That's that person. So you have to, if you're that, if I was that person that I want the pleasure and I've learned about, I've, I've understood how I could get better pleasure, I have to explain that to my partner to give it to me. So definitely communication's part of this whole process. Oh, it's huge. But see, here's what the five sex languages gives to people. It gives them a format to actually have that conversation. Oh, great. Because what that's what it's all about. Is you're, you're the sex being and the person who's designed by patience feels like you're like wacko and the person who's pleasure, who's married to patients, thinks like, you're so like boring and like, why can't you just kind of, and what happens is instead of using those kind of paradigms, you're not like me, so you're bad, you can use the paradigm, oh, you're designed differently. And yeah, if I exactly. can work with your yeah. design and you can work with my design, and maybe on the even days we do your design, and on the odd days we do my design, well, then right. we can both have a, a different bandwidth of a pleasure and experiences. Wow, that sounds like, sounds like it's very, I'm going to say easy to follow. It sounds to me like it's a very easy roadmap, like you said, it's to have great sex. It is totally life-changing. I mean, you know, you just mentioned this big conference you guys are going to go to. I would take yeah. a box of these books because, you'll, because it doesn't matter if you switch partners or do stuff like that. If you do not genuinely get an understanding on how your lover is scripted, you're going to be guessing. And instead of guessing, you can actually know how to play the game for their optimal pleasure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Even as swingers, when we when we swap with other partners, some we have amazing sex with other partners and some just don't get us. And I could probably understand why because we don't know that person intimately. And I guess by luck, sometimes we find the right partner. And by not luck, we don't because <laughs> they're like opposite or exactly the same as us and we're just like going in circles. So I kind of get how that roadmap could really help anybody have better sex. Right, because if you can understand how someone is designed, then you know what music they enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Love it, love it. And if you're, now if I think you're it's really time trying for some... to be a lover, say to your spouse, and you know that your lover is a patience person, because like, suppose the man is pleasure and the woman is patient, well, then the man has to grow up a little bit and say, okay, my wife isn't into 50 positions. Okay, she's just not. Okay? Right. That's not who she is. What she wants is she wants her back scratched for 15 minutes. She wants me to, you know, make sure the door is locked. She wants me to make sure the kids are asleep. She wants me to make time for her. And she wants the time equals pleasure to her. So that time of 15 minutes of scratching her back actually is part of the sex act. And she doesn't need 13 positions and four orgasms. What she needs is you to take the time to love her and touch her and take your time during sexuality and not rush through and take your time in the afterglow stage of actually holding her and talking to her and reaffirming her. For her, that's freaking off the chart sex. 
Yeah, Absolutely. I, I get that. That's we like say, we say all the time to go slow. And if you think you're going slow, go even slower. And the after sex is just as important as the before and during sex. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that was really, really great. I really understand that. And I'm sure your book is going to be off the charts after everybody hears about it here. But now I think it's time for some real advice. What would be the top number one thing that a couple could do tonight to increase their sexual pleasure once they've figured out what their sex life is? I'll give you three tips right now that can, can change. Because uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are having sexual they're having object sex. He's in a fantasy state, she's in a fantasy state, and not really with each other. That's not great sex. That's disassociated sex. Associated sex is the higher pleasure. And so eyes open, lights on, nurturing conversation. And I'm not talking about dirty talk. Actually nurture the person you're having sex with. Actually look them in the eyes and see their soul and have some light on so that can actually happen. Do those three things, have relational sex, and you will, you will have greater sex. That is fantastic advice. And uh, we can keep going on here for another hour, but we are running out of time. So, Dr. Doug Weiss, uh, Weiss, we have to thank you for your amazing advice and stories, and we'd love to have you back another time. Why don't you take a minute to tell everybody how they can reach out to you and uh, get more information? Sure. They can go to our Love and Sex Today Dot com And on there we have 50 podcasts for more information. That's absolutely free. Um, they can go to Intimacy Anorexia. They can go to Five Sex Languages. If they want to call my office, 719-278-3708. And uh, it's, been, it's been fun. I'm glad that we've had this conversation. And I know some people are going to have better sex because of you guys. So thank you Yay, so much. thank you. Thank and, you so and much. And you as well. So, you know, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic sex sport guests. And we hope you do too. Remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. To find out more, go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com radio show guest page and see all our amazing sexpert guests. Click on their link and you can contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. A special thank you to our special guest, Dr. Doug Weiss, and to you for listening. And remember to sign up on sdc.com for one month free. Use promo code 30314. And we have some great events and trips coming up. Yeah, this weekend you'll find us at Lorage Club in Montreal with a local group from SDC for a Sanka Sex Meet and Greet on Saturday night. And we'll be joining SDC's erotic escapade to the magnificent island of Crete in Greece, April 28th to May 3rd. Then we'll be sailing on the Crystal Symphony cruise ship up to Alaska with luxury lifestyle vacations for the Alaska Splendor Lifestyle Cruise, June 17 to 24. If you're looking for an upscale lifestyle event, then join us on this sexy cruise departing from Vancouver and sailing up the Inside Passage deep into the wondrous wilderness of Alaska's remote landscape with all sorts of other like-minded, sexy, fun friends. And then in July, we'll be with SDC again at Cap Dag, the naked city in France from July 2nd to 10th. Join us on this amazing lifestyle experience. And as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be at Nadia New Orleans as reigning queen and king of um, Nadia New Orleans, July 25th to 30th, where we get to lead that amazing parade down Bourbon Street. And for more information about these trips or anything else, you can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, where we'll be chatting with Charlie and Ariane from Sex Because. We are Carol and David reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 